popular question we get asked regularly is, how do I know if my customers are happy with our relationship? There's probably no better way to identify how to build better relationships with your clients than by using our Mindset Survey tool. The Sales Mindset Survey is a free-to-use tool that is revolutionizing the sales performance industry. This survey utilizes competing questions and the user's perceptions of themselves to identify just how well they truly perform. Are you manipulative or authentic, supplier or client-centric, complacent or proactively creative, overtly arrogant or tactfully audacious? There is no right or wrong and the survey will only be helpful as you are honest. But then why did you go one step further? We also offer a 360-degree perspective that allows you to share the survey with your peers and colleagues as well as your customers to gain even deeper understanding of how you sell. Do your customers see you in the same light of how you see yourself? Becoming a better salesperson has never been an easy task, but the journey can be made much quicker and more effective with the right tools. By focusing on those problem areas, you will join the top 10% of sales performers in the industry and make your way to the winner's circle. Why did you give the Sales Mindset Survey a go today? The results may just surprise you. The link to the survey is in the show notes. Now, on to the episode. I don't think Eddie could have chosen a bigger set of headphones to wear. They look as if you're wearing a crown. <laughs> They're hiding my receding hairline, which, which is a good thing, maybe. Looks like some sort of band. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie, a statement. Well, apparently Eddie said it's part of the brand, you know. I've part for years now. Is yeah. it? Yeah, that's the show. I'm stuck with it forever. <laughs> I thought you liked them. I must admit, I'm like, why does Phil keep wearing those? So you must really like No, them. Eddie just thrusts them on my head. I don't choose to put them there. Okay. He, he kind of positions them like this. <laughs> I just do what he says, you know. <laughs> the only person you do that to, isn't it? No, we don't <laughs> for anybody else. <laughs> Well, I don't know about that. I don't know what Eddie's magic is, but need um, <laughs> to find out. All right, so shall I um, shall I do the intro and then we can get stuck into it? Yeah. So at this time of the year, many companies are involved in planning and budgeting for 2023, perhaps with a deep breath. Almost two-thirds of chief economists believe a global recession is likely in 2023 of which 18% consider it extremely likely. According to Goldman Sachs, they've forecast a contraction of 1.2% of real GDP for UK's economy. However, it's not all gloomy. The good news is, even with the backdrop of redundancies, and we're seeing it from organisations like uh, Microsoft, Google, um, and Salesforce, etc., Amazon, um, the unemployment rate on the whole remains at historically low levels of, of just 3.7%. That's the lowest in 50, 50 years. And businesses are crying out to recruit staff. So that being said, we thought a good theme of this podcast is what sales leaders need to consider going into 2023. And in this podcast, we will explore um, themes around awareness and development and, and purpose but I'm sure as we discuss um, these things we'll we'll meander into different areas too and 
I am joined today by our very own uh, Louise Sutton, the Academy Director at Consalia, and uh, Phil Squire, the CEO. So, guys, over to you. Broadly speaking, what are the biggest shifts that sales leaders need to consider this year? So, you know, I will always focus on the people side of things that sales leaders need to consider. And, you know, the complexity continues, the fast pace continues, the, um, you know, demands from customers and their expectations continue to, to grow. And so for me, it's how are they going to support their team with all of these dynamics going on? How are they going to help their team feel uh, empowered and motivated and um, able to give them, the, you know, put in the extra mile to make sure that they can achieve for themselves, but also for their organizations? And um, I think for me, that's a big how are they going to do it? There's so much to consider, but um, that kind of uh, engagement and motivation and support through these kind of, yeah, very, very sort of rapidly changing complex times just is, is what it's about. <clears throat> yes, well, uh, of course, I, I sort of largely support um, what Louise is saying. And I think I think the role of a sales leader is quite complex because on the, on the one hand they they need to be able to use their resources in order to to achieve the results of today and at the same time they need to develop their resources in order to achieve the results of the future and uh, there's a huge tension actually between those two uh between those two kind of objectives and, and within the context of the market in which organizations are having to operate in like Louis was just saying there's so much complexity and so much change and um the um you know when you talk about the biggest shifts i think it's i'm not sure if they're the biggest shift or it's just a continuation of things we've had to have been adjusted to since the pandemic and all the rather seismic you know changes going on in the marketplace um, but they 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 really need to be in tune with the organizational context of the world in which they are living in uh, and you know uh, trying to anticipate the changes perhaps before they happen if they can uh, protect their sales teams you know from the noise that flies around the boardrooms you know in these current uncertain times. Uh, and keep their sales teams motivated and uh, keen to develop moving forward. I don't know if that's so much a shift, but I, I, I do believe that the context um, with the current economic uncertainty, the Ukraine war and all those other things is making their jobs so so hard at the moment. I think it's pretty tough. I don't. I don't think necessarily that is a shift, Phil. I think it is a continuation of, of of last year. You're you're right, but I guess there's more that's come in. So you know the whole dynamics around hybrid working and other people who now want to, to be in the office and how do you manage the kind of the very different needs of different members of your team to mm. make a cohesive team is you know, kind of that one evolved through last year, didn't it? And it's it the one that's, um, that's around now. And I think, 
you know, ensuring that you can still keep collaboration and that team culture going when you've got everyone working in so many different locations and in so many different ways. So I think that for me, that's just an example of extra complexity, like you were saying. But I do think it's just this general theme now about adaptation and coping with change and, and helping everyone through all of the uh, the shifts, the, the continual shifts that are going on. Yeah. Well, I think as well, I mean, I, I read um, in McKinsey that the customer expectation is also changing. So there's these kind of internal shifts that sales leaders need to be aware of and how to sort of um, manage their teams with the backdrop of uncertainty and change. But it's, it's also the expectations of customers and their shifts are also changing and are adding more pressures on, on salespeople um, and, and the implication of that. And McKinsey says that that implicates how um, the channels through which sales needs to, um, to engage with their customers, the technology, the different, how to, um, engage with their talent, uh, the incentives and culture, all of these are really contribute to what sales leaders need to be really aware of in 2023. Yeah, I wonder whether there's, um, uh, you know, we're talking about sort of technologies and, and, and buying habits, whether, whether there's going to be um, a shift away from a kind of CRM, management centric systems to uh you know using technologies that are much more designed around the capability around the salesperson you know i making their lives more easy in order to help sell you know you rightly say that you know the the millennial influence in 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 purchasing decisions we're seeing trends there which are quite interesting um but how can we b become smarter at the way that we can use our technology resources in order to get the messaging to the right customers at the right time? How can we better account manage with limited resources and so on and so forth? So I think it's, I think that's going to be potentially one of the biggest shifts we're going to see and literally the, the tools and the technologies also that can enable a sales organization to perform well and for sales leaders they really do need to be on top of that quite an interesting one phil i think you know um yeah there seems to be a move away from crms and into new sort of cloud sales systems and customer focused systems but i was reading something um i think it was in the harvard business review about being mindful of the complexity of it you know introducing too much too fast or um and just that it might stand in the way of success. So that's got to be managed really carefully. And in that article they talked about, um, I just made a note of it because it was so, you know, I'm, I'm always after simplicity, is everything mm. simple. And it said 46% um, in a survey responded saying that reducing complexity drives innovation. And one of the things that's really important, you know, for organizations now is to stay ahead and, and innovation is is clearly a key part of that. How can they keep one step ahead of their competitors? So, and it made me think, I was like, wow, yeah. So, you know, that 
reducing the system's complexity or just reducing complexity can improve innovation? And do we sometimes get caught up in doing something one way because that's the way the system's guiding you? So you forget to sit back, you forget to have that space and opportunity because you're being steered through the systems. It's just something that crossed my mind when mm. I was reading it. But I do think, um, you know, innovation is so important. And that's, you know, again, something that the sales leaders need to be thinking about. How can they help their teams innovate? And you're right, maybe it is through improved systems. But there's always that balance, isn't there? You know, at some point to make sure you've got yeah. enough of the systems to help innovation, but not too much to cramp it. I mean, I've got, I've got a question then for you, Louise, around what what can sales leaders do to create that sort of environment for innovation uh, for their teams? Um, so, you know, in, innovation needs some downtime, some thinking time, some space. You know, it's, um, well, this is what I believe, that, yes, there's, there's times for people to think independently, to let ideas mull and create, and then bring them together in the team to have that collaboration and sharing. But that's when the whole psychological safety comes in, let everybody have a say. Let's listen to all the little nuggets that each person has. Um, again, that combination of giving people some time to, to think, um, some training, some, you know, some ways to generate new ideas and then bring them all together to to really consider how can they do things better appreciative inquiry is a good one remembering what you do well how can you build on on that um but it is people need time to think like that and um because of the fast pace that we're all working at we don't often give ourselves that time your point about sort of coming into the office and that sort of social interaction as well is the mm. talking about innovation you know, I think you can do so much more with uh, with personal innovation than you can do, you know, through through physical being in the same room than than remotely potentially. There's something special about bringing people together in a structured way. You know, perhaps giving them the time to reflect and brainstorm and innovate, which you which you don't get with people who are remote working all the time. Uh, so I'm. I'm really pleased now that we're seeing this trend to come together more often. Uh, you know, there's a balance, obviously, with this mm. hybrid world in which we live. Um, but there was an interesting LinkedIn art article about the uh, randomness. I don't know if you've seen it posted by someone who's quite close to us, Claudia. And it's uh, this notion of innovation and random thoughts. And it just sparked this this whole idea around innovation you know and how important that is in a world that's changing so quickly yeah and i love the fact you you talk about space and i know we're coming at space from slightly two different angles here because do you remember the space curve that we developed um as a consequence of the pandemic i think that's so true now you know space was um you know survival then preservation and then agility and co-creation um so yeah so i i agree yeah in a in a world that's that's so fast moving you know being able to find that time to reflect is so important i think it's really difficult because there's no doubt that this year we're going to see targets increasing and resources decreasing and uh, it's 
just going to be putting a huge amount of pressure, I think, on sales teams to to hit hit their targets in quota. Um, I think uh, we've seen a survey recently that uh, talked about you know quotas being increased, and I think that's uh, yeah. that's so true. Never seen a year where targets have decreased, <laughs> even with all of these external factors going on. Um, so to be able to do it, I think is going to take a lot of mental uh, resilience, I think, to make sure that we can give the teams the space to be able to innovate and come together and, and reflect. Well, I think, you know, it's one of those, if you don't do it, what's going to happen? And if you don't do it, then what's to say that they are still going to, you know, increase their quotas or, you know, meet the, those increased quotas? Because if they haven't got that ability to rest and recover and, and innovate and they're just doing things the same way, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to meet those quotas. So you have to think about what, what's, what are the implications of not giving them space? Mm. I, yeah. is, is creating space for, for an individual or a team as simple as blocking out time in, in the diary? Or how would you, how would you as, a, as a leader um advise sales leaders to create that space for the teams it's a really difficult one so everyone's so individual but i think it's knowing what the person so there is something there about getting to know individuals more personally and how, how might they um create that space asking them that question so for those that like the walking you know sessions for those that like to just sit down and read and ponder you know but it's it's i guess trying to talk to them about how can they do that how what makes them innovate for me if i'm on a walk i've got mm. ideas spinning around all over it's i think much better outside than i do inside so um or when i'm driving actually sometimes i get then you can never write it down can you but anyway um so it, i guess it's individual but you've just got to have those conversations you've got I think there is something now as well about knowing your team, really knowing them, understanding what makes them tick and helping them with that rather than treating everybody the same. I think it's a, it's culture, isn't it? You know, we, all, we talk about culture and strategy and, and um, it's what kind of culture do you want to create in your team? And if you've got a culture that you can encourage of reflection and practice and, and um you know, recognizing the importance of giving people time, then you you will, um, you know, you will make space for yourself to do it, but also other people around you to do it. Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of this is is about the way in which sales leaders need to create the right culture to enable their sales teams to thrive. But from 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 my experience as well, because. I know very well that we will get caught in the trap when we need to deliver results is, is often, especially as we kind of get towards the end of a quarter per se, that's the time really you need to have that space when the pressure is really increasing um, to think creatively and innovatively. Um, I mean, one thing that uh, I think is incredibly effective um, certainly with my team is 
creating um, space for coaching conversations as well. Um, because it's through coaching where you're encouraging that sort of reflective practice um, mm -hmm. that that can enable, you know, the individual to come up with ways um, of taking control of something um, or innovative ideas that they they may not have otherwise thought of. Um, but you know, having those coaching conversations really, you know, it helps. Certainly, if they're not managing to find time in their weeks to kind of uh, take themselves out of that situation for for reflective thought. That's excellent. Well, I mean, coaching is a, is a big thing, isn't it? And I think for sales leaders to bring coaching moments as well as coaching, making time for, you know, full coaching conversations is really important. So to, to bring coaching into the skill set of a sales leader is so no, ultimately, I, I just think it it creates trust. It creates trust in the, in the team as well, and um, and of course, you want to create. You you know, if we're operating in a world of uncertainty and huge amounts of change, you need that trust. Um, you need the trust of sales leaders um, because that enables you almost to take risk and to um, you know to try new things and be out of your comfort zone. And I think that's where innovation really stems from. Yeah, to be encouraged and supported to try new things. And, and you know, if it doesn't work, being there to, to, to support, to then still encourage them to try again with something else is, is so key. I think there's something that um, you touched on earlier too, which is around um, the generational shifts and then the different expectations of the the new generations that are coming through and or um yeah taking a more of a prominent position in in the workforce and you know you're saying that millennials are the prominent decision makers now what does that mean in terms of change for sales leaders and you know how they um, train their teams and support their teams and, and work with their customers and i think that's a really interesting one because We've always kind of thought, well, people will move into the roles and, and act the same way, but everyone's coming in with a new expectation of how they should operate. And I think one of the things that I've been really thinking about and, you know, researching a bit more on is, is around the, you know, this whole notion of sales being a profession and the professionalization of sales. And I think for me, really, it's about making sure that there's more professional practice within the teams, that if we can upskill everyone to sell in a professional way and that professional practice is, the, is what they're striving for, that um, that's what's important for our customers and it's what's important for our organisations. And that, you know, there are emerging professions and you have the old traditional hierarchy of professions and sales is obviously one of those that's going to coming through as a contemporary profession or an emerging one. Is, is that important? What's important is how people are selling and that they're selling professionally, really. And I think that's something that I would just want sales leaders to be more conscious of selling and helping their teams to, to sell professionally rather than this notion of sales being a profession. That's really interesting. And I, I know we're, we're familiar with what, 
with the term professional practice, Louise, but um, for those that might not know what you mean by professional practice, could you just go a bit deeper and describe what we mean by it? So I think with, with professional practice, you know, to me, it's about a, a habit of the way you, you're working um, and the development of knowledge and skills that enable you to do things very well um, professionally, meeting the needs of the customers, meeting the needs of the organization. And you're starting to develop your, um, you know, people sometimes call it inner wisdom. You know, you're becoming this person that is the rounded sales professional. You're doing things the way they should be done. I mean, we know that in that old hierarchy of professions, people didn't always operate professionally. You had rogue solicitors, rogue lawyers, rogue accountants. You have rogue people. It's actually what you do that makes you that professional person. So professional practice is continually learning. You know, we've talked about the practice of reflection and um, bringing in coaching. So, you know, through those kind of um, experiences and interventions, you are going to help your sales team pick out the best of what they're doing and continue with that, but learn why it's the best. And therefore you're developing this professional practitioner, the person that knows what they should be doing. And, you know, sometimes, I think last last week, we talked about intuition. Eventually, they're going to develop that kind of intuition that they know what to do when for different customers because they built up this kind of bank of experience. And that's what we're trying to, I think, start getting people to do. So there's a lot of upskilling, keeping them current with the trends. But um, that's what I mean. Does that make sense? Does that work for you too? Well, it certainly works for me. And it, it really does make sense. Um when you consider the amount of, uh, yeah, the amount of change uh, and ambiguity, I think, as well as, as we're kind of operating it. Um, Phil, what, what do you think? About professionalism, no, I certainly, you know, we're, we're on the same page as far as that's concerned. And uh, yeah, 100% agree. In terms of it being a biggest shift, you know, is this, this, notion of professionalism one of the biggest shifts as we need to consider into this year i'm not sure i think it's uh it's it's huge it's like a foundation building block i think you need for every year (laughs) uh, so if we're focusing on the biggest changes coming into this year for me it's uh it's a kind of coming back to the way in which we we look at information and data and, you know, for example, if we're coaching, it's making sure that we're coaching to the right things. You know, it's making sure that we're coaching to the right objectives. And we had an interesting call just this morning about, you know, the difference between looking at forecast and pipeline, you know, and, and the, the problem that we've got in, a, in an environment where pressure is so big on, on results on a quarterly basis, you get people focused on forecast rather than pipeline and and so they don't they don't get those longer term conversations you know just aren't there um because there's this relentless pressure on meeting quarterly objectives you know the concept of customer lifetime cycle which i know is a topic close to your heart will um suggests that organizations need to think much longer term now about the way they build customer relationships 
I know for us at Consalia, this is becoming a key issue of, you know, we take these young apprentices who are 18, 20 years old. Yeah, but they're going to have a career in sales and it's getting into a mindset of putting them at the center, not just of their education, but actually of their career over the longer term. Um, so um, I think this is an issue which I'm hearing from some of our customers is becoming big. They're moving from um, landing customers or just focusing on net new names, and they're now beginning to look at customer value over a, over a lifetime. And so, but coming back to this issue of forecast versus pipeline, you know, you've got this relentless pressure on on this quarterly target that's stopping a lot of the reflection that that Louise, uh, you've been talking about. Um, because they don't, they don't have the time, you know, to do it. We know that they need to have the time. So it's mm -hmm. the enlightened sales leader, you know, that, that, you know, perhaps it is the sales professional leader that we've been talking about that is recognizing what's going on in this crazy, fast moving world and manages somehow to get this balance between short term versus long term, uh, with the emotional intelligence that you need to actually um, cope with some really tough selling environments that sales organizations are in. Mm. So, you know, I know I've sort of given quite a lot of information there, but uh, it's, um, I think it's, uh, I keep on saying each year, I think the role of a sales leader is getting tougher. <laughs> I really mm. do think it's quite tough now. Yeah. I mean, just to, to add to that, um, Harvard Business Review uh, surveyed nearly 500 sales execs and 60% recognized that future planning um, is an area of improvement that they needed to uh, implement in their organization. I think what you've just said is echoed by a lot of leaders out there. Um, you know, there's sort of short term, short termism. Um, and in fact, actually, what is that longer term picture and how, how can you prepare or anticipate for that? Um, I think what's interesting about that survey is that it was from salespeople and it wasn't from sales leaders. Mm. And this is where I think some of the problem is, you know, another topic that's really interesting is this purpose led organization and um, the focus on, on sort of environmental issues and, and so on. Um, Many companies pay lip service to it. And I think another, sh but, but I think there is a change. You know, we, we were running a workshop the other day with a big tech company and uh, we, we were looking at this whole area of sustainability and uh, they invited one of their customers to actually come into the workshop and talk about, you know, the importance of those, uh, you know, those goals. And there's, there's absolutely no doubt that they are going to be selecting suppliers who are aligned to this purpose-driven agenda. So I think an emerging shift is going to be a more purpose-led environment. And I suppose you could take that word purpose-led and you could say it's to do with values, it's to do with professionalism, it's to do with sustainability. You know, purposes could be an overarching umbrella for many of the things that we've been talking about. Um, Interesting to see, again, in Harvard, they're talking more about mindsets. You know, we spoke about this the other day, Will, 
So I'm, I think there is a shift. I think there is a shift, but I still think there's a tension which is going to make the shift difficult between short-term versus long-term and being able to let go of old habits and let, you know, we talk about let come new habits, you know, to drive performance. You know, I'm just thinking of some of our apprentices and students and obviously observe them through that monthly and quarterly cycle and their end of year month when you just don't expect anything from them at all because of the pressures that you've described. And, um, but I, you know, I, I think in that they do have that kind of first breather of the first week of the month or the second where they, they can start to just mm. try and regroup before again the, the pressure starts to, to ramp up. So I guess it's, you know, in terms of you thinking how do they manage the tactical with the long term, I think it's somehow giving them that permission to try and think more long term and strategically in, in those first two weeks when they're still trying to yeah just have a bit of space that we talked about earlier before recognizing that they need to start closing as much as they can in in the you know the last weeks of the quarter so i think it's as you say this 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 balance and and maybe the habits are about okay encouraging some of that reflection what went well in that last period yeah, a month or a quarter what went well how did it go well and, and what you know what what are the innovations we can try and take from that or the, the good things mm. that we can build on? So um, perhaps having conversations at the right time and then recognizing, okay, guys, we're now moving into this period where we, we change and now it's about, you know, um, meeting the quota and bringing it in. So, you know, I've, I've not been a salesperson. I'm someone who works with people and brings out the best in people. So it's easy for me to say that from my observation. Um, but that's what I see. You know, this is a subject I've been sort of thinking about more and more as well. Um, how do you, and the notion of relationships um, is something that I think is something that is great to be measured over a long, long period. And the, so the reason why I say that, and I've not, formally Im implemented this in my own practice yet but if i have um if i have a target per se i want to i want to hit that target and uh, but actually over a longer time i want to develop that relationship um because i think it's through relationships that you are inevitably going to sell more so is there a way of being able to um target salespeople on uh, their numbers, of course, and that is the sort of the status quo. But is there another objective, which is, can you measure and target a strength of a relationship within an account you're selling to, or a, within an account as a whole? Um, because that might drive longer term results, or have a bigger picture uh, beyond, you know, a quarterly result, for example. These are just thoughts that I've been playing around with. Well, so certainly a topic that's, that I'm interested in is just, I think, you know, this whole notion of relationship capitalization fits into that. And this is where some of the technologies can um, sit um, to enable you to be able to assess that. And of course, we have our mindset surveys, which are really interesting, you know, to be able to gauge 
how customers perceive salespeople. And you have your net promoter scores that enable you to assess service levels and so on. So an aggregation of that, that data with contract values and trends can give you an idea of, of, of how relationships can progress. Uh, but of course, if, if a customer moves from one company to another, they often mm. take the salespeople with them. So if you've got a good relationship score with someone at company X and they move to company Y, you know, they'll take that score with them, if you like. Because, you know, they like the way you've been dealing with them. So, yeah, yeah, I think it's a really important area to look at. And I'm encouraged by uh, the science now that uh, can help identify where those relationships uh, are. So I think it's uh, an opportunity for sure. I guess it also goes back to what you were saying earlier, which is nowadays there is so much data that can be at the hands of you know, a salesperson and how that data and insights to that data can actually help enable salespeople in order to be yeah. more effective. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So if we're, if we're looking at um, how to anticipate and prepare for change, what would you say business leaders need to, need to do? I think Luis is best place for this one. <laughs> So how to prepare them for change? Um, mm. I think they certainly need some training and understanding about the process of change and, and what's, so they can understand the, the transition that they're going through as they experience change. So I think that's a really important thing to do to help people appreciate that it's, I mean, some people love change. Some people adore change and just think of this as a real opportunity and they embrace it and they can't wait and they want to make more change happen. And then other people are just, you know, they like the way they work, they like where they sit or what, they like being at home and they like the routine that they have every day. And so any change for them can kind of be seen as a, as a threat, really. And what's it going to, how's it going to impact them and how's it going to change their, their, you know, their kind of habitual way of, of working, which they like. And they know, and, you know, so th there has to be, a, uh, again, that understanding of the individual and then, but the training can help them all understand each other's perspectives. Oh, so they're one of those that love it. There's someone I might need to help, and you know, and let them understand there are some opportunities here. There might be a, another part of the role that they really love that they haven't tried, you know, or some new skill they can pick up. So education around change is really, really important. I think, you know, through that, you can start to connect um, people to think about their own future in the midst of all this change. You know, what is it they want as they go forward through it and to try and um, embrace it? And I think, Will, earlier you talked about, you know, people like to work within their comfort zones. So how do you help people stretch those comfort zones and really push the boundaries? And um, so that, that whole piece of education, I think, is really, really important. And then as they get more comfortable with that, they will start to look ahead, you know, getting them to think about, well, what does it mean for your career? What does it mean for your next step? What does it mean for your customer? How can you help your customers embrace it too? So as we work with some of our apprentices and students to think about this, they've gone on and worked with their customers to help them start to embrace change. So I do think... Taking the fear away, 
um, and, and helping people understand that the emotions they're experiencing are really quite normal. Most people go through those. To understand that everyone's um, way of embracing change might be at a different pace and in a different way. All of that is important. So that's what I would be encouraging sales leaders to understand themselves and then to, to work with their teams to appreciate as well. Yep. Dave, um, perhaps to add to what Louise was saying, I think sometimes um, it's quite good to consider the question is, is, is what we are wanting to do, is it, is it change or is it transformation? Um, are we just trying to take the, our operating system or the way of working that we've currently got and make it better? Yeah, is that where the change is, is going to come or, or does it take a more profound shift of changing people's values and belief systems, winning their hearts and minds, you know, i.e. approaching change from a cultural perspective? Um, and I think that quite often what you see when companies start to approach this topic of change is, you know, they're pretty good at mapping out, you know, what the new org structures need to look at, like in the new processes and maybe... They have teams of consultants helping them do that. Uh, but one of the things perhaps they they don't look at so closely is um, winning hearts and minds. And I think if one is going to help people focus on change, it's is recognizing the difference between change and transformation and providing them the tools to be able to do that. Mm. Yeah, and, you know, just to add to that, Phil, I think... Um... You know, it's it's making people understand why the change is, is important and perhaps linking that, as you talked earlier about purpose. This, if you can link it to the purpose of the organization. So this is going to enable us to help more people do this because of this change. We're going to be more efficient, or, you know, to try and link it to the purpose. Because as we said earlier, the kind of, um, you know, the millennials, they like that, you know, purpose is important. So if you can actually link it to the purpose, by this change will help us be more sustainable. It's going to reduce our carbon footprint. Whatever it is, if you can link it to something purposeful, that will also help. Yes, and it comes back back to Louise what you were saying around understanding people's values yeah. and what drives them. What you know, and and being aware as a leader what they might be going through. Um, yeah, I think that requires a lot of emotional intelligence. I've got to go on another call in a few minutes. All right. Do you just want to quickly summarize both Louise and Phil? What would be um, your top tip then if you were to choose one? Uh, what sales leaders need to consider going into 2023? Louise, why don't we start with you? Your, your top tip. So um, I think... Um... Understanding your team, I'm going to come up with two. Understanding your team to provide space for innovation. I think uh, mine would be to book time for yourself to take time out. And I'm just going to contribute mine as well. <laughs> no one on, asked well. me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think it's I think it's so important when change is happening to you to find. Um, to find space to uh, put your head above the parapet, whether that is scheduling time in your diary or going for a walk is what you said, Louise. Um, but time to give yourself um, the opportunity to reflect 
and to understand what the change means. I've been terrible today because I've started at 7.30 this morning and we're now at uh, four o'clock this afternoon and I haven't had one moment to stand above the parapet and mm. to reflect. So, yeah, I'm looking yeah. forward to the time I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. Yeah, thanks both. Yeah, thank thanks. you. Bye. Yeah, that was great. Bye-bye.